Okay, we're going to do what on bulking. You have that pulled up, yeah? Do you need more? Or is that good? Did you test it? Oh, I'm sure it's fine. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's perfect. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you didn't ruin it because uh, that was. I don't need much. I'm, I'm sweet enough as is. Yeah, that's the most potent <laughs> um, stevia that I've found. <laughs> It's like very concentrated. <laughs> Arthur's over there dying. Arthur's over the half. He's he's either easy to make fun, like easy to make laugh, or I'm like really funny and I'm underestimating my value. Wow, you're, really funny. <laughs> you're a witty AF. <laughs> now is my hair sticking up now? Oh, that's much better. The only thing is, like my hair, I feel like it. I don't. You technically don't need to be on the earphones because I can hear you and I can adjust your sound if but you can't I, hear. But I I don't like to drift in and out. Oh, yeah. that's the thing. It does keep you in check for drifting in and out. Chick okay. chick 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 pretty good okay oh yeah bring it back. I, I don't know and i'm like double dipping on <laughs> double caffeine <laughs> let me just put it here if i could get a dutch bro sponsorship 100 i'll do this all day like just i'll just hold it like this the whole time is it close <laughs> is it close enough like i'll take a step. dude dutch bros is legit it, it's a it's worth the wait Sometimes I'm a little I'm a little disgusted in myself though because i'll go to dutch bros and wait in like a 40 minute line and i'm like why did i but a, why is it so long? Why is it so long there? Starbucks is, is better. Like, Starbucks is always 15 minutes tops. But Dutch Bros, it could be, like, 30 minutes. Dutch Bros minutes. is awesome. <laughs> it's so it. frustrating. This tastes really good. Aubrey. Sugar-free vanilla Aubrey, chocolate. Aubrey, did you? Did you? She, she's she, she's she scared of the calories. Me. She's scared of the calories. Is it sugar-free vanilla and chocolate? She sugared it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm her, what if she did? <laughs> I'm, her official, I'm her official taste tester. It is tester. good, though. It's good. <laughs> All right, we're good to go. We should just, that should just be the start of the podcast. <laughs> it's like Joe Rogan style. I can Right? It's better than, I've got a good podcast <laughs> topic for you today. Yes, you're it's right. It's always a good one. Yes. You got a fuzzy doodle. Oh, that's from the dog. Okay. Oh, in a hair. <laughs> what else is going on on that <laughs> A woolly mammoth is underneath your armpit. <laughs> all right let's go for it okay okay well that's our intro, <laughs> that's let's, the intro. it's gonna be our intro i don't know arthur cut that somewhere that's our intro <laughs> we're trying to mix it up because adam was getting too repetitive with okay. it's a good topic yeah, today I and then every time i'd say it i'd feel like i'd feel like Ashamed. embarrassed yeah because like you'd call me out on it and so now i'm like trying to come up with new intros and i'm just gonna talk just start yeah, talking i like it but it's better but we have uh we have an, a bulking go ahead you're gonna say we have a good podcast topic for you today. <laughs> I was like, no, don't, don't do it. The only one annoyed with that is you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe people aren't yeah, just saying. I'm not annoyed by it. I'm just trying to <laughs> try to make this podcast the best it could possibly be. I feel like it's doing pretty well. It's yeah. doing pretty good. But uh, yeah, we could change up the intros. This intro is a fresh intro. I like it. Yeah, me too. Okay. Cheers to that. So what we got on topic today is another bulking blunder. Mm. You like that one better? Bulking yeah. blunders. Okay. <laughs> so cheesy, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah. Bulking blunders. The cheesier the for Ashley, the, the, that's how you win points with her. With uh, what are those things called? Um, were you puns? Puns and little dumb things like that. Yeah. <laughs> you, totally. win, you win her over. <laughs> I've got a random sense of humor. So yeah. It works. So uh, this is a th we had a, a comment come in and we're just like, you see these things all the time. So I don't want to call anyone out or anything like that. We're not going to mention any names. But there was a post made about bulking again and the necessity to bulk. And we're like, why is this still a thing? And it's not just regular bulking, like gaining a little bit. It's like a, I gained 30% of my body weight bulk and I need to do this. And my coach is telling me to do this type of thing. And that's like, we're going to go into that and talk about, you know, what the benefits are of it, why you need to, or don't need to, it's, it's don't need to obviously. Um, and, and what are you trying to accomplish and kind of everything that goes into it. And I think we just read from the post. Yeah. Heck yeah. And, uh, you have it on your phone. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I'll I feel like we're saying yeah a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. That actually is annoying. When you did that, you went through a phase of that. You're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that you did it for like a couple of weeks. You go, I don't know. Ashley goes through these funny phases. One of them was, uh, when you tell her, she thinks I work out. Oh my God. I, I still say that. <laughs> To everyone except for you, because I know you hate it, and I'm I'm like holding it in every time when you say, "Ashley, your shoulders look great today." You know, you're you're getting a little cap going on. I'm like biting my tongue. I want to say thanks. I work out, but I know you hate it, so I just don't. But I say it to everyone yeah. else. Well, 
it's it's because she's always in shape. So I'm always saying, "Hey, you look good." And then it, so it was like for like a solid year, like three times a week. <laughs> yeah, and and just so you know, every time you say it, I'm very tempted to. That urge <laughs> is still, still there. It's still there. But I I restrain myself. You know what? You've been holding. You've been doing very good at that, Ashley. Yes. All right. So. Um, I'm going to read, we're going to read just pieces of this and then kind of go into, I think each piece that, that matters, right? Or should I read the whole thing? Just both. Maybe read the whole thing first okay. and then break it down All into, right. um, little sections and then go over it. All right. And again, this isn't calling anyone out in particular. It's just a common thing that you see on, on social media. And this one just happened to have a lot of them and it got a, like kind of a, a good circulation on it. Um, but I see this all the time. It's not like one girl. I just see it all the time. Okay. So it reads as this. I gained 30 pounds in five and a half months. I was also 97 pounds when I started, uh, which is small AF, not to mention unhealthy. How effing wild is that? My average weight has always been around 110. I don't feel I look my best, but you know what? I got to get it done. I'm officially at the, these sweatpants are all that fits me right now stage. Uh, but even those feel a little tight and leave marks on my body if I wear them too long. I've gone from an XS and everything to a small and nearing the point where a medium might seem like the more comfortable option. Coach has instructed one more week on this gaining stage, quotation marks, gaining stage, and then mini cut to see what we're working with. As uncomfortable as I feel putting these photos next to each other, really eye-opening to how small I was before and how much more I need to gain to get to the level I want to be. Okay, so that's the total post. And then also at the end was... You need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. You need to get comfortable. I, cu I cut it off because there's parts it mentioned to coach, too, and I didn't want to mention anyone's name. Right. But, um, yeah. And, and and it's uh also worth noting this is a very, very petite girl. This yeah. We're not talking about somebody that's, like, my height or anything. Uh, looks to be maybe five foot. Uh, but it's there's no way to actually verify that. But yeah. it's, it's a, a very, very petite girl. So although you might say... 97 pounds, that is really small. It's uh, all relative to how, you know, tall you are, how petite you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. So in this scenario, 97 pounds, going gaining 30 pounds is um, almost 30% body weight gained in a five-and-a-half-month period. And I did the math on it. It was 1.15% gained per week. So 1.15% gaining of your body weight per week over the course of five-and-a-half months is is a lot. So... I just want to break this down and kind of go into, you know, the whole bulking premise and like why people think they need to bulk. And there's a good, there is a good like basic theory on why people think they need to bulk, but it is outdated. It's an antiquated theory. So people think they need to bulk. And basically let's go into what, you know, bulking is, I guess, too, in case you're very fresh to this, but bulking is essentially eating calories past your point of maintenance. So eating a surplus of calories in order to maximize the muscle gaining that you can do. So hopefully if you eat enough calories and you're eating as many calories as not as many calories as you can, but eating more than your surplus, more than your maintenance calories, all the extra calories will go towards muscle, right? And that's the, that's the theory. If I'm going to maximize my muscle growth, I need to eat in a surplus. And that isn't, that is not false. You know, if you're going to maximize your muscle growth, you do need to eat in a surplus. That's the maximizing your muscle growth. Okay. That's muscle growth raw. Okay. So that's the, that's the theory of bulking. Now people do take it too far. And in this scenario, it's definitely too far. There's no way, just for example, there's no way someone who's 97 pounds gained 30 pounds of lean mass in a period of three months. It's just not, or I'm sorry, in a period of five and a half months. That's just not even, I mean, if we could gain that much muscle, every person would have, you know, 400 pounds of muscle on them after three years of working out. So it's just, just thinking about it just in common sense, like there's just no way someone can gain that much muscle, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that part of it. And then there's the part, well, we got to look at, okay, how much muscle are we losing if we're not going into a bulk? And I think that that's where we start to really need to start dissecting things because you've been a perfect example of not bulking and still making good progress. Right, totally. It's, um, you know, you got to time things correctly and when you're competing or not. But, you know, I think we found a system that works well. Um, I'm in, I think I maintain a lot or I'm in maintenance a lot, you know, um, but there are times, like, when I get close to a show, that's when I'll start to really, you know, cut down a little bit more. But I never, you know, go I, – I, I don't even think I've – okay, so right now I'm, like, 122, which is about my stage weight. I don't think I've – I don't even think I've seen 130 in a few
few years. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's good. And I mean, for me, this is what works. And, you know, I think when we talk about off season, we're not expecting people to live the life I live and stay as lean as I do. There's a big difference though, between, um, you know, putting on a little bit of weight rather than going all out and just going crazy. Yeah. So I think that's something to be said because, you know, a lot of people especially would look at me and be like, Ashley, that's very realistic for, uh, or that's very unrealistic if you expect people to stay as lean as you do in the off season and whatever. And I get it. Totally get it. Not expecting you to stay this lean. I understand. <laughs> um, but there is a limit to things. And I think it's important that we keep in check, you know? Yeah. And I th- so when we talk about bulking and maximizing how much muscle growth you have, you do have to look at, okay, what's the, what's the benefit, right? And that's the, that's the, one of the biggest things that I run into. And I get the question asked, how do I build muscle in a caloric deficit? Adam, it doesn't, it does it's not possible all the time. I get that. That's probably like my most frequent question I get. And it's just, there's people who just don't have a basic understanding of how the body works. And so I think that in this one, we can kind of go into it. We're not going to go into it too crazy technically because I think it would mean we need some graphs and drawings and stuff like that, which I'll do. I'll do that. Um, you know, I'll just do that this week um, as well, like a, a full breakdown of why. But here's the thing. When we're looking at gaining lean mass, we're looking at gaining, maximizing our muscle growth. We have to look at, okay, one, how much muscle can we actually grow? Like how much is, is actually possible? So in, in research, there has been some research done on how much muscle we can build in a, you know, in periods of time with everything being in pretty much the perfect scenario. Now, it's going to be a lot different based on, I call it your workout age. It's just an easy way to describe it. So if you have a very young workout age, and this isn't your real age, this is your workout age. So if you have a very young workout age, let's say it's your first year of working out, that's a young workout age, whether you're 15 or you're 40, if it's your first year working out, you have a young workout age. And basically your first year, you're going to have the ability to put on muscle a lot faster than in your 10th year of working out. Like if you look at these guys who are doing like the Olympia, they come back to stage, you know, three pounds, four pounds heavier the next year with going through a whole season of doing all these things. We're talking bodybuilders, you know, like big, big bodybuilders. It's like four pounds, three pounds a year. So your first couple years, you're going to have those newbie gains. You're going to be able to put on a lot more muscle. Even then, you're not going to really need to go through a crazy bulk in order to do that though. Now, it might make more sense earlier on to eat a little bit more calories and eat a slight surplus as long as you're not gaining a lot of body fat. But if you're in, you know, year four or five, like bulking, especially like it makes no sense. And so let's look at let's look at the difference. So in a perfect scenario, you putting on lean mass, the amount that they've done in research is they've one pound every 45 days of pure lean mass. So it was 10 grams of 10 grams of skeletal muscle you're building in a period of each day was kind of like the, the maximum kind of results was like kind of like the uh, agreed upon amount that they kind of research. Can it be a little more if you're as big as someone like Rami or, or as small as someone like Ashley? Yeah, there's going to be a big difference between the two. But as a rule of thumb, a pound every 45 days is a pretty ideal target for that, right? So now doing the math and looking at someone who's gaining 1.15% every week, does that make sense <laughs> when when 1.15% would happen if pure lean mass in probably like 60 days? So, you know, it, it, does, it doesn't make sense. So the way that what we got to look at in bulking is that, okay, how much muscle am I going to net? What's the net difference from stage to stage? And that's what matters. So if Ashley's 122 on stage and then the next time she's on stage, she's 122 and she had to lose six pounds, well, then, you know, not much change happened within those six pounds. If Ashley is, let's, I'll give a better example. Ashley's 122, and the next time she's on stage, she's 124. So she gained two pounds of lean mass, but she gained, let's say, eight pounds to do that. Then um, that's a really successful, that's a very successful stage-to-stage net weight. So she's two pounds net weight heavier with lean mass if, she, if her body fat's the same. Now, Ashley can do that in a couple different ways. She can gain, you know, eight pounds total and then lose six to do that. Or she can gain, this is the theory of maximizing your gaining with bulking. Or she can gain 30, right? And maybe instead of her gaining two pounds of lean mass, she gained four pounds of lean mass, right? But the problem is, is that when she has to start dieting those 30 pounds off, she's going to now lose some of that newly gained lean mass because she's dieting harder She's dieting longer, and it's taking a lot more out of her 
to get those that extra body fat off of her. So she's going to sacrifice more muscle. So yes, in theory, you're going to maximize your lean mass gains. Yes. But at what expense and what are we really looking at? And we're really looking at the net muscle from stage to stage. So net weight from stage to stage, not total weight off season, but net. So in, in your scenario, I'm sure you you like staying lean. Um, would you like, as a, as a regular, even just as a regular person, not even as a competitor, would you rather put on eight pounds or 30 pounds to look exactly the same at the end of it? Yeah, it, I, I would not like to put my body through that extra stress if I don't have to. Right. And <clears throat> I think I've also mentioned before in, in a previous podcast is not only that is like, you know, when you're putting on this excess weight and then you go to lose it or even prep for a show, oftentimes what happens is the focus becomes cardio and losing fat, yeah. right? Rather than making sure your workouts are intense and really good, right? So it kind of shifts, your priority shifts. And, you know, throughout the day, you only have so much energy. So even even for me, like I notice, like if I give cardio, like the attention, more attention than my lifts, that's probably, I'm going to get a better cardio session and maybe less energy reserved for the the weights. But, you know, on days like, that I know I need a lot of energy for legs, for example, I won't do cardio on those days. And that's just like an example. But if you're going through a process, then when you have to lose all this weight, your focus is going to shift from putting on muscle to, oh, got to lose weight, got to cut those calories, diet hard, do a lot of cardio, rather than making sure your lifts are good. Because one, one is going to get less of your energy, you know, so that's something to think about as well. And, you know, you're probably not going to be lifting really good if you have to cut your calories so severely. And who knows how long this uh, individual is going to take to prep for a show, but um, it's going to be a while. I mean, but if she, if she wanted to prep any time in the, in the near future, she, it, it's going to be even harder too, because then you're going to have to cut the calories even more and more severely and less energy and you're going to feel like poo-poo. Yeah, I feel... That's, that's the thing that we got to think about too. And there's, a, there's all these weird questions as modern day bodybuilding like starts taking place that are really cool questions. And I had one, I had one the other day talking about like this, there's a girl who's talking about like not doing any supplements whatsoever. She's like, I'm not gonna do any supplements. And I'm like, well, that's cool, you know? And then I was talking to another, another coach about it. And he's like, well, here's the thing, like what, what would actually be worse for her if she was doing a ton of supplements and getting results a little easier or had to work twice as hard because she wasn't taking any supplements at all. Um, and it made it a lot harder of a process. So which one's technically worse, right? And I'm like, well, that's actually a good, a good question. Cause yeah, it's going to be harder when you're not, you know, taking your vitamins and not taking all these things and then your body's not functioning optimally. Um, then if any, and you just, you're having to force things, you know, you're having to diet a little bit harder, you're having to do a little bit more cardio. So which one's technically worse, right? So there's always, there's always like these, uh, these, <coughs> these questions that are popping up now that these like great thinkers are thinking about. It. And I'm like, that's actually a good one. But in this, in this scenario here, you know, I, I think losing, losing, let's say, let's say she nets two pounds in a five and a half month period, let's say nets three pounds, like she did excellent. And she netted three pounds more lean mass from show to show. Um, you know, we're talking losing 27 pounds. Someone that small would generally lose about 1% body weight. That's about the target you should lose. On a, on a on a on a weekly basis, if you're trying to spare as much lean mass as possible, one percent target uh, weight loss is is ideal. So if you're 200 pounds, losing two pounds a week. If you're 120 pounds, like Ashley, losing one and a quarter pounds a week, that'd be about your target and where you can you know be be pretty uh, confident that you're not going to be losing much lean mass, if any at all. You're going to still have good energy in the gym. You're going to be able to hit those weights hard. So in that scenario of someone who's like let's say 97 pounds on stage you know, 1% of her weight is one pound. So we're talking 27 weeks she just added if she's going to net three pounds of lean mass from those 30. Mm-hmm. So 27 week, you know, prep. Yeah, you can speed that up, but at speeding it up, at now comes at what expense? Mm-hmm. Comes at expense of more lean mass, less energy in the gym, which will result in less weight lifted and less energy in the gym, which will be less um, less muscle kept because you're not working out as hard. I mean, then, and then just life in general is going to suck. You know, like right. you're more tired, you're sleeping more, you're trying to recover, fat, your recovery sucks, you don't have that much energy with calories. Right. So like there's, a, there's always a price to pay for it. And so I think we need to think like long term and then we got to come to the conclusion of, you know, how do we, what's the optimal way of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, what's the actual optimal way of, of doing the bulk? 
True. So I've uh, got a little question for you. I think a lot of people out there want to know too. So let's say you're an individual who is going into an off season, but maybe they're not even technically what I would consider lean. And this doesn't have anything to do with this post, but I'm saying like, let's say you have a girl that's softer, you know, um, and she's going into like an off season. And at that point, do you think that having that extra fat storage, you can visually see a person and be like, okay, that, you know, softer, she has energy storage. Like she doesn't necessarily need more. Do you think somebody that isn't too lean to begin with even needs to go into any kind of surplus or even maintenance? Does that make sense? Like having a certain uh, percentage of body fat already on you gives you that ability to sustain muscle and put on muscle too. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. And there's there's another question in there that I'll I'll go into as well on top of that. But if you are, let's say, as a as a female, you're in that like 19 to 16 percent body fat range and you're starting, you're like, oh, I should bulk from here. There's really no benefit to getting past that 19 to 16 percent body fat range. You're not going to put on more lean mass because you got up to 24 percent body fat. Those those numbers don't correlate. I do think at the lower percentages of body fat, like the mm-hmm. really low percentage of body fat, you're going to have a harder time maintaining it and your calories are going to be low enough where it, I think it'll, it will mess you up in the gym a little bit because you're dieting so hard. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, in that 15, 19%, 16, 19%, I think that there's, that's a maintainable body fat. I don't think it's too hard to maintain. Yeah, you got to mm-hmm. eat clean and you got to be, you know, on it. But um, I think that that's, that's the ideal place. So if someone comes to me and they're like, I want to go into my off season and I'm, 19% body fat, I'm going to say to them, well, let's do a recomp, which is basically, I have all, I have like, I don't know how many different plans I'll, I'll go over them. So I have a, I have a, like when I have a plans and I put them in my system, I'll, I'll label them, you know, aggressive lean out, full prep, lean out, um, recomp emphasis, lean gain, recomp emphasis, lean out. Like, and so it just, as me, as like a personal reminder is like what I'm really focusing on with, with this client and for, th- for that client, if they're a recomp, that means I'm trying to still build muscle and lose body fat at similar rates. So it's not a hard, hard diet because I know I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of muscle building when I'm in a hard full prep diet. And it's not a full gaining diet because if I'm in a full gaining diet, then they're going to be gaining more body fat, right? So um, <clears throat> I go right in the middle with those people. And we'll just keep an eye on that body fat. We're trying to gain now. We are trying to gain a good a good amount of weight without letting the waistline go up. So we're keeping mm-hmm. track of the measurements. We're keeping track of the hip measurements, the waist measurements. Um, we're keeping track of the weight too to make sure it's not going up like crazy. Like it's a realistic amount. Like if I have a client, even though her measurements aren't changing that much, but she's gaining two pounds a week. You know, I'm like, hey, in ten weeks she's not going to have twenty pounds of muscle. Like I need to pull back on this a little bit, right? So there's, that's, that's the, I think the the best way of gaining. And, and for the most part, unless someone's shredded, I don't really have them like full on lean gaining. I have them recomping more than that. I got a couple clients who are like just really lean where I bulked them a little mm-hmm. bit, but not like bulk in a bad way. Like right. even then I still took my time because I'm like, why not maximize this lean gaining and give them enough calories? So they, they put on a little bit of body fat, but I can at least sustain higher calories for a longer period of time versus bulking them right away and then running out of that window of like, okay, we gotta start cutting again, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, for example, this, this girl, if she would have stayed, you know, maybe within 10 pounds of stage weight or so, she could still be gaining right now. So mm-hmm. it's not just, do you maximize how much muscle you gain in a short period of time? It's how much time are you spending on dieting that you could be spending on gaining? Yeah. And what is the net difference between the two? Is it actually better to just gain slower and not gain any body fat and do it for a longer period of time? I personally like the trade-off. I think the goal trade-off for everyone should be nine months of gaining a year and three months of dieting for the regular person, not someone who's competing as much as you, of course, because that wouldn't make any sense for you. But for uh, if you can go nine months of gaining and three months of dieting, then you've done a really good job with your with your I guess lean gaining slash bulk, which is not a word we really use anymore, and that's that's great. And if but for someone like this, she's going to be doing maybe even seven months, eight months of dieting and four months of gaining. Like how much, like, are you <coughs> offsetting your offsetting that difference of time spent on gaining with that aggressive four month diet uh, bulking? I don't think so. I don't yeah. think that would be the case. And I think it's also helpful to go into like, you know, maybe some longer term negative side effects from putting on so much um, 
Yeah. Mus- muscle. Yeah. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> so much fat uh, in a short period of time. Like, you know, things we don't think about, like even skin. Yeah. Uh, you know, you might get stretch marks um, and fat cells too. Once you create them, they don't really go away unless you lipo them. Yeah. They just kind of shrink. So that's another thing to consider as well. Um, but also it's kind of stressful on your heart, which I think it's important to kind of go into as well because you can get more science about yeah. that than me. That, that's but a big it's, one. it's very important to realize these things. And, um, you know, I think some people will hear a weight and they'll think, oh, that's unhealthy. You know, some people might think that like my 120 is unhealthy at five foot five inches, but it's relative to the person, you know, really. And I think that's also important to realize as well. Like, you know, what is unhealthy? Like, what is your, I guess, yeah, definition of unhealthy? By looking at this girl, if that's her photo in the 97, she didn't look unhealthy to me. Yeah. And I think that's also a point to bring up because you'll hear, I mean, like, he, we're... <laughs> In America, we're getting bigger, bigger, and the average size is getting more and more. So our our perception of what a healthy weight is is slowly going up, right? Yeah. So when we hear numbers, it's like, oh, what? But again, it's relative to your body. How tall are you? How petite are you? So, yeah, I, I guess a few different questions within yeah. that statement. But uh, let's go into the the negative side effects first yeah so the negative side effects so a couple things that you mentioned which is like you know um fat cells you know multiplying and and, you know body basically adding fat cells so um there's a couple things like in the that we talk about with like bodybuilding we always talk about and these people know these terms so i'm gonna use these terms but you talk about um, hypertrophy which is basically the muscle cell increasing in size so a cell increasing in size but we don't talk too much about like hyperplasia which is basically cells multiplying right and so with with fat cells if you do put on body fat at a faster rate or you put on body fat at all um, you can actually add fat cells too so those fat cells like as she said they don't go away they just shrink they get they get bigger and smaller just like all your fat cells so there is a some some research done that basically shows you know the more fat cells you have the more likely you are to gain body fat back at a faster rate so, you know, if, if anyone's, and you could see this with people too, if they've, you know, if they've gained a bunch of weight and then they always struggle with losing and keeping it off, right, type of thing. So how, how direct is that? I mean, to me, it still seems like a calories in, calories out thing. Um, I don't know, but it, there is some research on that. I'm not, you know, that's not my specialty on that, but it does make sense on paper. The more of something, the more, more like, right, it just makes sense. And so uh, you'd have to dive into that, you guys, yourself. But um, the other thing is when we talk about stress, um, stresses to the heart. And I think that in bodybuilding, we think, and this is what happens a lot of times with these really big bodybuilders too. I think people just think that because it's muscle, it's like healthy, you know, like with the bodybuilders. And you see, you know, the bodybuilders as they're later on in their life, you know, sometimes they're not living as long. Um, and it's not necessarily like, we'll never, we'll never be able to fully define like, what is it? Is it the stuff they're taking or is it just their overall size, you know, but being that big is not, easy on your heart you know it's a lot your body has to pump blood to any any type of metabolic tissue so when you have you know fat your body has to pump blood to it you know your body has to pump blood to it so if you gain 30 pounds rapidly at 1.15 percent per week your body now has to pump blood to that new tissue and so your heart has to pump blood to that new tissue so that is a that's just think of it as uh you know i mean just think of it as like just a it's a muscle, right? So think if you had to lift 1.15% more weight every single, every single week, but you had to do it all day long, right? So this week you can do 10 pounds all day long, right? And then next week you got to do 11 and a half pounds all day long. And then the next week you had to do 13 pounds all day long. It'd get really hard, really quick. And that's what the heart's going through. You don't have enough time to adapt to that mm-hmm. you know, because it's not a, you know, an exercise set you're doing in the gym. It is all day, every day. It doesn't turn off until you're dead. That's, that's it. So the heart can't go through those types of stresses without any negative happening. And there's, that's, that's research. Tremendous amount of stress on the heart when you rapidly increase weight. The risk of a heart problem when you have rapid increases of weight like that goes up dramatically. It's three times risk um, of when you would, of, of uh, if you gain weight rapidly at least twice in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's not just bad planning, but it's not healthy either. Right, you know? totally. And, and that's something I think people underestimate. Mm-hmm. by putting on that much weight and, and again the, the amount of calories reading too 
I mean, probably just the types of calories. I imagine there's probably more saturated fats and other stresses on the hearts too. And right. you're, you're having your body's gonna have to deal with too, but that's a, you know, smaller, a smaller factor. Right. So just to clarify, it's not necessarily even the, the problem is like, you know, putting on maybe that much weight, but in that short period of time, like the fluctuations of weight, because there might be a day that I go to 150, you know, when I'm a normal person again, who knows? I, I don't want to, but that would happen over a long, if that happened over a long period of time, it's not as bad as me doing that within like, you know, six months or whatever. Because it's a big difference, like that slow increase of weight versus like a big fluctuation yeah. of weight is, is, is much more damaging to the body than just doing it over a long period of time. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just think of it like if you're blowing up a, a tire on a bike, right? If it was a, if you're blowing up a tire on a bike, you could do that. Right. But if all of a sudden you went from like blowing up tires on bikes all the time, and then you had to blow up a tire on a car, mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd run out of energy really quick because yeah. your muscles get tired, but the muscles, it's the same thing. Your body is pumping blood to the heart. And then all of a sudden it has to pump blood to a bigger, like to a, to a, I'm sorry, the heart is pumping blood to the, to the, the whole body, whatever tissue is there. And all of a sudden now it has to pump to a lot more tissue, you know, but it hasn't been training from tire to big tire, right? It's just instant, right? So it, it's a, it's a, it's a long process. And just like any muscle, it needs time to build up. It needs time to, to grow and get stronger, right? Mm-hmm, totally. So, so um, that's the, that's the thing you're going to run into with that. And it's, it's just never a good idea. And that's why I'm always like, I know I'm the, I'm probably, I think I'm like the worst when it comes to like coaches talking about off seasons. I'm like the hardest one, but the good thing is I hammered in people's heads and at least all of our, all of our people, they're like, they get it. They're like, okay, after a show, I'm not done with the show. After a show, it's not like a free for all. I'm at my most susceptible time to gain body fat back and I need to um, be cautious of it. And I always say, Hey, if you're doing a 16 week prep, you're not really doing a 16 week prep. You're really doing like a 20 to 24 week prep because you've got to do the the correctional diet after, after that. And you got to gain quality lean mass after and take your time because you're super susceptible to gaining body fat back after that initial prep that hard diet so um, but the other question that was in here too and I think it's really important to note and I'm glad that you brought it up but here's here's the thing um, that I want to touch on which is I think really important okay it says so in this post it says I was also 97 pounds when I, when we started which is small af and not to mention unhealthy what is unhealthy about it you know, that's the question you got to ask yourself. What, yeah. what is actually unhealthy about being 97 pounds? I would say that body fat was roughly like 16%, honestly, at that right. point. There's and still this is a very, just to remind you guys, very petite. Girl. Very petite person. Body fat. <laughs> this was, isn't a five-foot girl. Yeah. Or five-foot, five-inch girl. She's like five-foot. Yeah, five or so. There wasn't like, you know, crazy tie-ins and crazy like separation and all that. wasn't at that level of, you know, let's say woman's physique olympia level conditioning it was like you know getting started npc level getting going with competitive competing and not hasn't reached her full um conditioning levels yet very normal and so you know we're not talking crazy shredded shredded potatoes here you know we're talking um you know no bones sticking out or anything yeah so uh, so exactly and i was like okay well can you explain to me what you being at si- how six you being at sixteen percent body fat, you eating healthy, and you doing cardio at a higher rate is unhealthy. Given the option, mm-hmm. like so, is it and it, and not just is it unhealthy? How is it less healthy than rapidly gaining thirty pounds, right? So you need to like if you're going to say that, like what where are you getting that from? Have you ran have you ran labs? Have you ran um, tests seeing where your levels are at in terms of like your hormone production at ninety seven pounds and sixteen percent body fat versus where they're at, at 30 pounds gained? Have you seen your blood pressure? Have you seen all these things? So it's just, it's just a blanket statement where I'm like, nope, I'm unhealthy because I'm 97 pounds. I'm like, that doesn't make sense because you could be unhealthy at 97 pounds just as much as you can be optimally healthy at 97 pounds. You need to, there needs to be something on that besides mm-hmm. that, you know? So it's a, that's the thing is people will see a weight and they're like, oh, that's unhealthy just because it's see, double digits, right? People see an ab and say that. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. These, these days. days you see an ab muscle and they'll be like, you know oh, infuriates unhealthy. me is that like, you could, it, it's, this infuriates you too, but you can, these days, mm-hmm. you could see someone who's in shape like you, which you're in crazy shape right now, and you can easily just blanketly comment, oh, she's so unhealthy. But or if, eat a cheeseburger. Eat a cheeseburger, So right? creative. But if I see someone who's over overweight, who's actually unhealthy by 100 pounds, and I tell them to eat a salad, <laughs> I'll get canceled instantly, oh, right? Like, God. why is it socially acceptable for me to, 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 
bash on someone who's in shape like you, right? Who's worked really hard at it, but I can't say anything to someone who's killing themselves per meal every day, all day. Right. Right. I'm not that guy. I just say, you know, yeah, I'm, un- yeah. I'm uncancelable because I don't need anything, but <laughs> like, I don't care about that public perception. I gave up on that a long time ago, but the, the, that's, that stuff does bother me. And that's exactly the scenario that's getting fed into this. And it's slowly creeping into our industry here and there, right? You'll see these little spurts of it, right? The cool thing about our industry is that most people think like, like really like us. Cause it's like, you get what you put out. We don't want anything given to us. We're going to earn what we take in terms of our results. We're hard workers. You know, we don't believe in excuses, like, you know, for the most part as a, as a whole. So you don't get too much of it, but it, you'll occasionally you'll get these little things like this, like, oh, being 97 pounds is unhealthy. And I'm like, on what basis? Like how, you know, <laughs> and how is it less healthy than being 30 pound of rapid weight gain in five months? That's what really gets me, right? Because it's like, but but everyone's applauding the 30-pound weight gain. They're like, oh, good for you. You have balance. I'm like, that's not balance. That's extremes, like how you said, you know, extremes on both. Yeah, I thought balance was like in the middle to balance it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you have a good idea what balance is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not balanced. No. <laughs> I'm not balanced. No, you're not balanced. <laughs> At least you no, know what it is. I know what it is. I'm not, I don't do the balance. I, yeah, you know. I think it was a trendy word a few years ago, but then, you know, I realized if you want to be really good, like if you want to really be the best you can be, you're not going to be balanced. Yeah, it's just... But it, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm having the funnest, most amazing time of my life, so I don't care. Yeah, it's that's the thing. If you I realize not everyone's going to be like me, but I like my life, you know? And I think the uh, I think that goes back to your your saying a couple years ago saying get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's funny because this girl said get comfortable with being uncomfortable too, right? I meant mine in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I, I think we should go into that, right? Like, come uncomfortable. Okay, to me, uncomfortable wouldn't be eating whatever you want and putting on thirty pounds. To me, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable would be, okay, I need to eat healthy. I need to continue to do my cardio. I need to continue to put in the work and maintain a lower body fat so I can have better long-term results. That's uncomfortable because I'm having to try harder, right? It's not hard to put on 30 pounds. Like I could do that. That'd be sweet if that was the goal. <laughs> you know, it's not a hard goal to do. Uncomfortable, sticking to a plan, that's uncomfortable. Sticking to your off season, staying within a, a, a good range of body fat so you can strike in striking distance to a show, that's uncomfortable. You know, like Ashley, you being uncomfortable is always trying to be better, you know, always striving to be better and not getting comfortable, even though you've accomplished what, you know, 10 bikini competitors worth of, of, of lifetime of competing would have already accomplished. But used to you, it's still not enough. You want to keep going and be the best you can. So like that's a, being uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. if you were putting on 30 pounds and, and having off seasons and sweatpants and stuff, you'd be like, uh, that's not it's only uncomfortable because it feels heavy. Right. It just would feel uncomfortable. But that's the difference of being uncomfortable and like in terms of like the the metaphor. Right. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I'm not sure if she is eating whatever she wants in this off season. It kind of by the way she's wording this makes it sound like her coach is directing her to do this, which is even worse. Um, that's you really know, bad, yeah. that's the actually the most alarming part about all this. And maybe we're misinterpreting it, but it does sound like her coach is directing her to do this and. That's disappointing. <laughs> it is. It's unfortunate if that, um, if that's the case. But uh, I mean, there's no way to tell. It's it's not. Um, there's no way to tell. But by the way she's wording it, it yeah. does sound like she's being directed to do this, and that it's good. So so let's go into now. Um, well, a couple things. One, guys, if you if you have a coach that's having you gain thirty pounds rapidly, and there's no pulling back on it, you know. And I've, I've overshot before. I, that's not something that coaches won't do. There's nothing wrong with a coach trying things and overshooting a little bit, but, but recognizing it quickly, you know? You've got to recognize it quickly if you're a coach. If you've got a girl that's 100 pounds and she's putting on, like, you know, two and a half pounds a week, you need to pick that up right away. You, maybe you let her slide for a week and say, hey, let's see if the metabolism adapts to these extra calories, whatever. But that's like a two-week process, like tops, to, to figure out if they're getting too much. Unless they're too lean and it's, like, dangerously lean and it could be affecting – um, total hormone production because they're so lean or, you know, they're in the essential fat and it's essential fat percentage of body fat and they're too lean where it's, it's, you're, you're running into some, some health risks, right? But that's very, very rare, super rare. So these are some things that, you know, coaches, you gotta, you gotta be able to catch these cues and you gotta see that, 
you know, that's why you do a weekly check-in with your weights and your measurements and your pictures. And you like, you got to be able to pick these cues up really quickly. And it's not that hard, you know, if you're a coach, but you got to look at, okay, what's the, what's the goal? What's, how does the client feel? A lot of our clients, they're not, you know, they're not Ashley's. They're not competing in the Olympia, you know, 90, what? I guess 98% of my clients aren't competing in the Olympia, right? So 96%, (laughs) 96, hope we get that number down, but uh, 96% of them aren't competing in the Olympia this year. So do those, now the people who are competing in the Olympia, right? Technically, if they wanted to, them peaking one time a year for the Olympia, I could see an argument there. Like a bodybuilder who's peaking one time for the Olympia, like a Phil Heath type guy or something like I'm just going to peak once and I'm going to do whatever in the off season it takes to grow and all this and whatever, this is my job and that's it. Okay, cool. You, that's fine. I, I understand the argument. I just don't think it makes as much sense, but at least the argument's there. But if 96% of my clients aren't competing in the Olympia and they're just regular people who want to compete and they do want to grow, why can't I create a plan to have them looking good and feeling confident all year long? You know, why can't they just say yes when a girl asks them to go to the pool with them and feel like, hey, I've earned this. And I'm going to rock this body I've been working on this whole time. Not be like, oh, well, not really. It's my off season. <laughs> I'm up 30 pounds and I just wouldn't feel comfortable, you know? Like that's, you can still make a lot of progress and actually the same progress, if not, if not even more. Honestly, I think to me, I would say it's probably more if you stay leaner because you spend more time gaining and less time cutting, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the, net, the net gain is probably going to be higher towards the end of the year because the accumulative amount of time of gaining and the, and the comfort and confidence and energy in the gym is just always going to be different, you know? So mm-hmm. totally. Do you have like a, a rule of thumb, I guess, um, if you want to tell our listeners out there, like in the off season, when you would typically cut somebody off, like not only just like a two pounds a week, but is there a certain, um, telltale sign that you'd be like, okay, we really need to reel it in. Tough love, Adam over here. (laughs) Let's reel it in before this gets too out of control. So not only just the 2.2 pounds, but is there something visible that you would see? Or is it just like um, a percentage of their body fat, um, or I'm sorry, a percentage of their body weight that you'd be like, you got it, you got to reel this in. Yeah, actually, that's a good good question because I do have markers for it. Yes. And so um, there's a couple markers for it. It is case by case. Right. So if you have, um, let's say, for example, if you have, there's, there's weird scenarios where it makes it hard. So if you're one of these people who's like going from bikini to wellness, that's a hard one to monitor because the glutes are growing so much that you can't really use measurements as a factor as much because they're, they're growing so much that it would, it would throw it off, right? Because if they grow like, and I'll, I'll go into that in a second. Um, so in, for them, for like wellness, people who are going into wellness, like sw- switching divisions are growing really rapidly. I will st- keep an eye on their waistline. Um, but not as much on their hips because we're trying to grow the hips so much. Right. And then I'll keep a real close visual on them. So the pictures become more important. But usually the measurements are more important to me than the pictures themselves. So for in my order, it goes um, pictures, I'm sorry, measurements, weight, then pictures in most scenarios. And then in wellness, it kind of goes pictures, well, measurements, then weight. So, um, and it's just like I'm, I'm trying to keep a visual track of it. And that's, that's only explain to you why the measurements are so important. And why I always have everyone do a measurement. So, okay. And I've went into this before, and I, I love this because it's a really helpful tool for people to use in their, their off seasons and in their gaining phases. So if you are in a gaining phase, even if you're in a recomp gaining phase, what I like to do is track the measurements on the waistline and the measurements on the hips, both at the widest point. So right over like the belly button and right over the widest part of the glutes. What I try to do is to never trade off one week of gaining for one week of cutting. Okay, so if I know I can lose one quarter of an inch every week of cutting, well, then I definitely don't want to be gaining a quarter of an inch every week because that means every week of gaining, I'm adding one week of cutting. And I never want to just exchange one for one because that means six months out of the year, I'm going to be gaining and six months out of the year, I'm going to be cutting. And then I'm spending half my time not growing as as rapidly as I could be. But if I can gain a quarter of an inch every three weeks or every four weeks, well, then I'm only adding one week of cutting for every one month of gaining. And that's a really good exchange if you can hit that exchange and still still get pretty optimal lean mass gains because it means you're in a slight surplus, so you're still probably getting most of the gains. Not all of them as a bulk would get, but still probably getting most of the gains, and then you're only spending one-fourth the amount of time of cutting. So that would be like a perfect bulking scenario. So in that scenario, you're gaining for 16 weeks, you gained one inch on your waistline, and then you're dieting for a month, you lost that inch, and then guess what? Boom, right back to gaining again. 
right? So you keep it in track, keep it in check. So I generally will try to have like the waistline go up about two inches on someone from stage, stage, well, about a week after stage, because the, the, the week after the week of the stage, your waistline gets crazy. So it doesn't really count, you know, because you're like mm-hmm. cutting artificial sweeteners and you're doing, you know, you're, you're making sure you're super regular and you're not eating much the day of the show. So your waistline measurement the day of the show really isn't a true waistline. It's like a fasted slash perfect scenario waistline. So I'll give them like a week of eating a little bit and getting their calories up a tiny bit. And then we use that measurement on their waistline. And then we kind of track it from there and don't let it get above two inches is generally the rule of thumb. Two inches is like the max um, of that point of their waistline. And then we could start cutting from there. So we just try to keep track of it that way. So that to me, that's like the optimal way of keeping it in check, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I I just don't think people realize how important that off season is for setting up your, you know, next season. And, um, I think a lot of times people will just use it as, um, you know, time to eat their favorite foods and stuff. But let me say something I've, I've had a bad off season before, before I met you. <laughs> and, um, you know, in that year I had a whole year and I, I did gain 25 pounds and it was so hard to get that off. Like so freaking hard. It, after that experience, I'm like, I will never do that ever again, ever. And that was over the course of one year. I'm five foot five inches, but for me to get off 25 pounds, it took so much effort like oh just looking back on it and it was quite the learning lesson like I will never allow myself to get that out of control ever again ever and you know even before that back in the day when I first started bikini I did think that you had to bulk you know when I was a newbie and I would like purposely try to eat more even if I didn't want to which is bad you know I I don't think you should ever force feed yourself Especially like if you're already putting on like weight and you realize you're over. Yeah, I think it's one thing if you're like going into a competition, you're too lean and you know that you got to get your macros in in that scenario. But like in my mind, I was like, in order to put on that muscle, I got to, you know, I got to eat more and more. So I would like kind of force feed myself a little bit in the off season, like back in the day when I first started. I I just got to keep reiterating that so people don't think I do that now (laughs) so it's just a crazy how like now that I know and in my seasons and prepping is so much easier for me and we found a system for it but just let me say you know it's not worth it to have bad off seasons it's really not it's so much work to get off so much yeah and it and a lot of that's the thing is when you see people this is what really I think is the biggest driver I think the big, well, I think there's two drivers. I think the, the two biggest drivers of getting people to not compete anymore, for them to stop competing, is one is a really, really extreme hard diet. Um, that one's pretty obvious. And it's basically, you'll see the girls who are doing 800 calories, two hours of cardio. Those are the one, those, a lot of times those girls don't come back. I would say that's the biggest driver of people not coming, not coming um, back to the stage and like them taking a, a passion, something they loved at one point into turning into something that they hate, you know? And it's because they're like, oh, the prep ruined my body. It was so, and I'm like, no, it's not the prep ruined your body. It's that the method of prep that you did hurt you so bad. And it was so hard that you don't ever want to do it again. So now you just want to eat because it used what something that you used to love, which was eating healthy and working out all the time, turned into something you hate, which seemed like a job. And now it turned into a job that you hate. That's what ruined it, you know? And it wasn't that it ruined your body is that you can't keep control of your diet anymore because you're so hungry because you're your, your leptin and ghrelin hormones are just all over the place because you were dieting so hard previously. So that's one of the biggest drivers. The other driver is the girls who gain too much weight in the off season and they never make progress from show to show. They look exactly the same from show to show because they're, they're always chasing their last physique. And they're, you know, we call them physique chasers. You're just chasing your last physique. You, you look exactly the same every time for three years. You're not excelling. And you're always going through this huge grind because you have to lose, you know, 30 pounds for your show. And because of that, yes, you might have gained more muscle in your bulk, but you lost all that new found muscle because you're dieting so hard to get rid of that 30 pounds. And so they just look the same and then they look the same. And then eventually that motivation to get on stage again gets lesser and lesser and lesser. And then they start looking worse and worse and not even the same anymore. And then those are the girls you see posting, oh, bodybuilding ruined my body. And I'm like, no, you just lost the fire because you, you didn't have the fire in the off seasons. And then you didn't, you know, 
you, you didn't maintain your body fat in between and your preps were so hard because of that, that you don't like it anymore. That's what ruined it for you, you know? So it's, um, those are the two biggest drivers of it. And I hate, and I only reason I want to bring these things up, it's never to pick on anyone. That's why I don't want to mention any names. And this is a post just so we're clear. I see all the time. This is just one that had all of it in it, but they're all the time I see these posts and I'm still like, I'll see girls that are they're like, oh, I'm bulking. And I'm like, why, why would you be bulking if you're 25% body fat right now? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you just want to make this harder on you in the future. Or do you do, are you really just, are you bulking or are you justifying the, the reality here, which is you like food and that's cool, you know, but let's just call that what it is. You know, you like mm-hmm. food, you want to, you want to have fun and flexibility and eat whatever you want at the expense of gaining some body fat. And you want to say, oh, it's because of a, a, an actual scientific based reason that I'm going to gain more lean mass. That's not the case. <laughs> you're not, you, you, maybe you'll gain a little bit more lean mass when you're a slight surplus, but that, that doesn't just go on indefinitely. Like when you're in a slight surplus to gain maximal amount of muscle, let's say it's, you know, we talked about it. Let's say it's a, a, a pound every 45 days in optimal conditions as the research shows. It could be more, I don't want to get stuck to that. It could be more than that. That's what the research shows. But let's say you could gain two pounds, right? Of pure lean mass every 45 days. Well, that's still not a lot of calories per day. Like it's not a ton of calories. So I think people think, if I eat and I gain, let's say, 30 pounds in five and a half months, that I, I reached my optimal amount of lean mass I could gain. But the optimal amount of lean mass gains stops, and then body fat starts accumulating. So once you're in that surplus and you gain the most amount of muscle you can, after that is when body fat starts storing. Because because the energy reserves that are there are going towards fat now and not towards the energy going towards the muscle, right, and storing more protein and whatnot. So there's a point where there's doesn't make any sense anyway, and then people just keep going farther in those calorie ranges and they start accumulating body fat. So is there a perfect calorie threshold for someone to gain only lean mass and not body fat? Absolutely there is. Is it easy to find? No, because, you know, leg days, you're going to burn more calories. When you're having a work day, you're going to burn more calories. When you're, you know, it, it would be impossible to, to nail that every single day and to eat the right amount of calories. So that's why I say, you know, eat close to, you know, if you're really going to a, a full bulk, eat close to your maintenance calories with a little bit above, nothing crazy, watch the body fat, um, throw in some diet weeks to keep it in check. And, uh, and you'll be, you know, you'll be a happy, a happy bulker, happy lean gainer. <laughs> they call it, what do they call it? Greg calls it uh main gaining now. That's his new word. He comes up with some good words. That's okay. pretty is that his, he, he comes up with some good stuff. I gotta admit. That is good stuff. So, um, now there might be another, I guess, aspect to this and maybe this um, girl is trying to achieve it, but the idea of like working up your calories. So, you know, your metabolism improves the theory behind that. And if you kind of want to go into that a little bit, I think that will be helpful because maybe, um, this person thinks that, you know, by putting on the weight and working up the calories, um, it would be beneficial to her metabolism. And I mean, my short answer is if you're going to do that, you shouldn't really put on weight. The idea would be putting on uh, or increasing the calories without making the weight go up. So, or at least not maybe just slightly, but not, yeah. uh, not like this. Um, but if you want to go into that a little bit and the uh, reasoning behind that and why this, what she's doing might not be the best for what she's trying to achieve if she was going down that route. Yeah. So um, we're talking about increasing Increasing metabolism. So, um, so basically we have to, we have to take into account that her metabolism is slightly adapted and maybe just a little bit less because she's been prepping really hard and her body's adapted to somewhat. It's, um, so that's, gosh, I'm forgetting the term for that. I'm going to try to think of it. Adaptive thermogenesis. So basically your body will adapt, um, to, you know, whatever s- scenario you put your body in, you know, cause remember at the end of this, we're just a big chunk of muscle that's trying to survive chunk of muscle and energy that's just trying to survive that's it we're just bones metabolic tissues and stored energy just moving around here and so (laughs) the body is trying to keep that organism alive right so we got to break it down to like the old times right if you lived in let's say denver because i'm from denver i guess am i I technically from am i from california from from california Yeah. Okay. If I was in Denver for 10 years, I don't know if I'm from Denver now. Anyway, (laughs) so if you're from Denver, you know, 200 years ago, which people lived there 200 years ago, which is crazy to me. Why would you not live like property values were so cheap in California back then? But uh, (laughs) so you live in Denver like 10 years ago or 200 years ago. Um, You know, you have like feast and famine scenarios, like everything would be covered in snow. 
for a while. There's no crops to eat. There's nothing, there's, you know, very, there's not, it's not as easy to hunt down animal with the tools they had back then. Like it was, it was hard to, to eat during those times. So you weren't eating that much. That's so just basically, you weren't eating as many calories, right? So your body would slow down, you know, your body would slow down and it would adapt. It's adaptive thermogenesis. In order for survival, your body would, would slow down. And so, you know, when you're dieting really hard for a show and you're expending a ton of energy, the same process has happened. You know, yeah, you, you don't need to do that now, but the body doesn't know that. It's, it doesn't know, oh, hey, Ashley's trying to get ripped. <laughs> it's just the body knows, shit, we're moving a lot and I don't, I'm not eating that much. You know, I better slow down or eventually we're going to, this organism's going to die off because there's no energy left. So it'll slow down on you, right? So, you know, that's a, that's a rough way of saying it, but that's, that's what's happening. And so, um, yes, you do want to increase calories and you want to get that metabolism, that organism, you know, functioning optimally again. And um, that is going to be with a, an increase of calories so the body doesn't recognize that anymore. You know, it'll, it'll adapt hormonally um, and it just, it just adapts slowly. And I think that people don't understand like metabolism in general. I think people think it's like an organ. Like they're like, <laughs> my metabolism organ. <laughs> I'm like it's not an organ. You know, it's just like, and people don't think about it. They're like, oh, my metabolism slowed. It's like, it's a, it's, it's hormonal responses to food. It's, it's hormonal responses to you dieting for a long period of time. And everything's a little bit slower, and you need to get that functioning optimally. Again, an example would be like T3 to T4 thyroid hormone conversion, right? So it's, it's, it's less. So your metabolism is, is less. You're burning less calories, right? So there's a lot of things like that. Testosterone goes down. Things like that. So. Yes, we want to get that metabolism up. We want to get hormones optimal. Now, you got to take into account, one, how low were the calories to start with for this uh, young lady? Was it, was it super, super low, and then you wanted to creep right up right away, um, and they just overshot? Or was it, it sounds like it was planned, to be honest. Um, but also, I don't think her body fat was at a low enough range where these issues were a huge factor, at least mm -hmm. looking at them. I don't have labs. You know, it could be different for different people, but like 99% chance with the body fat she had, she was going to be perfectly healthy with that body fat or with, you know, 6% more body fat. It would have been no difference really. So, and there's, that's a, that's a big deal when you have someone who's like stage lean, let's say, I mean, you've never been at 10%, but if you're at 10%, your hormones at like 16% would be different. Like you'd be like a little better at 16%, most likely. So in her scenario, she was already 16% and it was like from 16 to 19 is going to be pretty much the same. So, um, you know, in terms of that being the response to low body fat. So, yeah, so I think that in this scenario, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. But um, increasing her metabolism will happen if you increase calories um, over a period of time. And it'll, your body will basically get its hormones right. It'll get its body fat right. But was she really that adapted? Who knows? I don't think it was a response to low body fat at that point. It wasn't that low, right? So, I think I went a long route around. No, it was that. In very informative. Yeah, but the um, the thing is with with yes, you can increase metabolism, but you can't indefinitely increase metabolism. That's mm -hmm. another thing too. So there's this thing called metabolic capacity, which is basically the amount of calories you'll burn at like your optimal um, calorie burn for the weight that you're at. Now, yes, you can increase that metabolism if you have more tissue. So if you added ten pounds of muscle. Yeah, it's going to go a little faster because that's a metabolic tissue now. But at a certain point, so I have like 120 pounds for you, there's a threshold that you're going to reach where you can't go any higher. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's the argument there. But, but as far as fat tissue goes, um, it'll only – so fat tissue will only increase metabolism um, because you're carrying around more weight, right? And there is a little bit of process that happens calorie burn-wise with it where it actually takes up energy, to, right? But – it is, um, but it's mainly because you're carrying around more weight. So you would technically increase metabolism because you're carrying more weight, but that's not really the ideal way. To Just like things. if I were to wear a weighted vest or whatever yeah. throughout the day and I'm walking around and doing my normal activities, I would burn more calories with that weighted vest. Yeah. But um, you can also apply that to your actual uh, <laughs> size of your body too. Yeah. So just wear heavier clothes instead of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just wear a wet sweat. Wear a wet sweatshirt all day long, and you'll be fine. <laughs> so yeah. So that was the. Was there another question in there? I think there was. Was there one more? Or that was it? No, but I think um, you can briefly go into as well, like how uh, people definitely have a misconception about body fat percentages because you briefly mentioned it, yeah. and I think it still blows people's mind because they'll think that I'm like, that think that I'm like 6% or whatever. And it's like, nope, I'm like probably mid 13, 14% body fat on stage. So I think that's also a good point to make, you know, probably should have mentioned it when we're going yeah. into like, what is a healthy weight kind of thing? Cause 
they'll they'll look at me and be like, yeah, Ashley, you're like 6% body fat. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. N- not even been close. I've been into like, th- I've been like a high 12 before, but I was way too lean that show. That was like my comeback show in 2018. Yeah. I've not been that lean yet <laughs> since then. So I think that's also important to realize too, is like we think we're too lean, but are we? Yeah. Like, you know, because... I think like some of the times the measurement system for body fat is can be a little bit off and you know especially when we're using things like the fold or skin fold caliber or whatever but I've had the um in what do we use the in skin or the what's it called the um styku styku sorry styku so that's not for body fat though I use the um the oh the the in body in body skinner yeah, yeah. exactly okay. for body fat so I guess that could also take body fat but it's more accurate with the in body is way in, more accurate in yeah. body so yeah. you know I think that's also important to realize too is like you know we think we're oh too lean but are we you know? yeah so. exactly so in terms of the body fat percentages of what the average person is on stage let's say let's say an average bikini pro on stage. Um, depending on the the way the judges like them. Now, remember, this body fat is based on you know how the judges like them. Some girls, they want a slightly softer look. You know, you can example Laura Lee a few years ago. They liked her a little softer. Now they like her a little harder. But back then, you know, her body fat was probably in the 15 range, I'd say. And, and you know, now she's probably hitting in the in the 12s, 13s, like in that, that lower percentage. But also the more muscle you have, the less, the, the higher your body fat can be and still look leaner. Mm-hmm. So you look at the bodybuilder's, the old school bodybuilders like the, the Dorian Yates guys and whatnot, and they were so shredded. Um, Ronnie Coleman's were so shredded, and they kind of like, a lot of times, I don't know if these two do, but a lot of times the old school bodybuilders talk smack on the new school bodybuilders. They're like, oh, they're not lean enough. They don't work as hard as we did. And I'm like, it's not that they're not, they don't need to, they don't work as hard as you did. They work just as hard. It's just that they have, they have more muscle now, and they don't need to be as lean to look exactly the same. So the more muscle you have, the the more it's going to pop through the deeper the cuts are the more it's yeah. going to pop through so that's another factor too but if you're if you're let's say um on stage most bikini competitors let's say you're like a shredded bikini competitor there's some there's some shredded bikini girls out there that the judges just like them shredded um they, they could be as low as 12 percent i would say May, you might get like an 11 and a half or out there but that's like it that's like shredded that's shredded potatoes right yeah there. i mean there's definitely bikini competitors that are leaner way leaner than me, but usually it's not to their benefit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So just because you're leaner doesn't mean you're going to do better or look better. Um, but it, you know, even with that 11%, the leanest bikini competitor you've seen on stage, like that's still, I think, higher than most people would assume. Yeah. You know, even you give the story, you've only seen like what one woman one, ever get below 10. One woman. Heather and she Grace. was women's physique. Yeah. And she, she talks about it too. She's open about it. She was like, she was like, she, she told me, like, she responded once in one of my comments. It's Heather Grace, and I've known her for, gosh, I've known her for over a decade now. And um, she was like, yeah, I did it once, and I, like, killed myself to get there. And she's like, and I barely got there, and I was like 9.6 or 9.8. She's like, and I barely got there at that. Yeah. And she was so, it was so crazy how lean she was. Like, yeah. just even, like, her lats, like, every every insertion on her lat you could see, like, every one. And it was, like, just strided lats. And I was like, man, that is a... Uh, that is a, that was, it was crazy conditioning. And so, and you, then you see like these NPC bikini competitors are like, I'm 7%. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're, you're never going to be 7%. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you do. You're not going to be 7%. And it's the same with guys. Guys will think they're 3%. And I'm like, dude, if you knew what even 6% looked like, you'd be stoked. And that happened at the Arnold too. Um, that same year, um, it was, um, who got there? Um, who got there? But I forget that he came back like a couple times to test on the DEXA scan which is, you know, it's the most accurate form of testing. Now, is it, is it, it has, all of them have their flaws, but he got under 6% and he was the leanest guy that showed up for DEXA scans. And there was a lot of men's physique pros that showed up for DEXA scan. It was a Arnold, like 2019, I think. And um, he got under six and he was, and he was the only one and everyone looked crazy, you know? So um, they're over, they're underestimating or overestimating their body fat levels or uh, how low they are. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a thing to take into account. So when I say someone's 16%, it's not saying she's, she's soft. It's, pretty, pretty good. You know, people compete at that, you know, depending on, you know, what the judges like from them, what their build is, whatever, like some girls just look better at 16%. And and NPC, obviously you don't have to be as lean as as the pros either. So some to take into consideration, but I think, yeah, I think a lot of people get that in their mind that they're 
too lean for whatever reason and I <laughs> need to purposely like put on more fat, you know, and like, like we got to mention again, never expecting people to do it how I do it. Um, but you know, there is a range that y- you should realize and w- when things are getting a little too, too much, you know, yeah. and then think it's important to cut yourself off at that point. So. Yeah. So I guess in conclusion of this, we have to look at, okay, one, I want you to be healthy when you do this stuff. Um, you know, and that's one of the reasons that I specialize in bikini and men's physique is because it's like the healthier divisions. They don't need to go through all these crazy things. Um, you know, and it's, it's, a uh, you don't need to go through these like crazy bulks. You're not going to gain a lot more muscle and you have to look at what the net gain is. So if you're one of these girls or guys that are like in this crazy bulk, ask your coach, what is the long-term gain plan? How much more muscle am I actually gaining when I'm doing this bulk versus the main gaining plan, as Greg says, or as even a caloric deficit plan where maybe I want to get a little bit leaner? How much, what is my net positive at the end of this? That's going to be the benefit. And how much harder is my diet going to be at the end of this bulk too versus if I were to main, main gain, right? So ask your coaches those questions. It's important. I will never say bulking is a good idea just because I thoroughly know the research on it. Believe me, if there was a benefit to it and you were netting more muscle at the end of it, I would bulk, I would bulk quite a few of my athletes right now. But there's no long-term benefit to it. And so if anything, it just makes everything way harder. And I know that that's going to be one of the one – one of the roads you'll take to exit this sport. And I don't want that to be the case. I want you to feel good all the time. I want you to look good all the time. I don't want you going through unnecessary dirty bulks. You know, I don't want you taking any unnecessary supplements you don't need to take. Like, it's just, you know, if you do this the right way and you take your time with it, because it is going to take time, um, you should be able to look good all the time, feel confident all the time. You should have somewhat of a six pack all the time, like at least a little bit of tone to your stomach all the time. And, um, and just be, you know, that fitness person that you want to be all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's stop with the bulking. Let's, uh, let's look into the science, ask your coaches, keep them accountable. And, um, and there's just, there's just a better way, you know, the other ways are outdated, you know? So, um, I guess with that, we'll leave you there. Happy lean gaining Monday. <laughs> wow adam we should make that a holiday that's incredible it should so yeah creative. you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna submit it to the white house <laughs> well, all right well, guys well thanks. anyway happy uh in season or off season or wherever you fall just do it healthy <laughs> bye guys bye